Hello, you're listening to Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR Radio Fitzroy, Victoria, on the lands of the Wurundjeri and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Kerry Lee. Welcome to Earth Matters. We bring you environment and social justice stories. This week on the program, you'll hear the latest from the National Shark Summit, which took place in Sydney on the 21st to the 22nd of February 2019. And in this program, you'll hear from two experts as we explore their interest in the recent National Shark Summit. Soon I am joined by Nicola Bayan, Head of Campaigns with the Humane Society International. And later in the program, I'll also yarn with Leo Guida, the senior shark campaigner with the Australian Marine Conservation Society. This is Earth Matters. Nicola Bynan, Head of Campaigns for the Australian Office of Humane Society International. And what do you do primarily in your role, Nicola? So my job is to manage all of uh, Humane Society International's campaigns in Australia and we work across wildlife conservation and animal welfare and one of our priority campaigns is the protection of sharks. And what type of campaigns do you have at the moment running around uh, sharks? I understand that um, there's the Shark Champions uh, campaign that's happening. That's right. So we're launching a new campaign with our colleagues at the Australian Marine Conservation Society, um, which we're calling Shark Champions. And the campaign is recognising that Australia is a biodiversity hotspot for sharks. So we've got over 300 different species of shark and ray in Australia. About a quarter of the world's shark and ray species make their home here. And many of those species are actually endemic to Australia, meaning that they don't occur anywhere else. So we've got a tremendous responsibility to protect sharks and rays here in Australia, and we should be really proud of that diversity. So we're launching the campaign to recruit thousands of everyday Australians to become champions for the conservation of sharks and rays, because we, we could be doing things better. There are many sharks species and race species in Australia that are in decline and we need to be protecting them, particularly when we realise that a healthy ocean needs healthy shark populations. At the end of February in Sydney there was a shark summit. Why do we need such a summit, Nicola? So the National Shark Conservation Summit was hosted by Humane Society International and the Australian Marine Conservation Society. It was kicking off our Shark Champions campaign. And we pulled together the top experts in sharks from around the country to look at how well we're conserving them. So there were experts in the great white, and there were experts in the whale shark, and in grainer sharks, and in sawfish, um, a, a skate called the Morgian skate. We had experts in all sorts of um, wonderful shark, um, sharks and rays in Australia. And they were talking about whether the protection that they have here or the management that they have, whether it's doing its job or whether we could be doing things better. We looked at the issue of shark culling because in Queensland and in New South Wales, um, our governments are still trying to control sharks through um, different culling devices. And we looked at whether we should be still be doing that or whether there's 
more sophisticated and more effective ways of dealing with that very, very small risk that sharks pose to um, the human population. Um, so that was a very interesting session. Um, we also had a session which was looking at sharks in the media. Um, what's the real story? So is the real story the um, the shark bites that occur, and obviously they always get a lot of media attention, or should there perhaps be more media attention on the crisis that shark conservation is facing globally and the fact that while perhaps one human is killed by a shark on average every year, 100 million sharks are getting killed around the world by us. Who, who's the predator and who's the prey? Um, so that was a very interesting session, and we had some high-profile media personalities um, who were on the panel for that session. So some really good conversations about um, shark conservation um, were had all round. It was a great two days if you're a shark nerd. Absolutely. And a lot of talk about shark technology as well and its uses across the board. Yeah, so we looked at non-lethal strategies for dealing with that um, risk of shark bites to swimmers and surfers. And so we had a presentation from New South Wales Department of Primary Industries on the work they're doing there. Um, so they talked about the drone technology that they've trialled where drones go over the beaches and they've actually got software that can recognise the shape of the sharks in the water and alert lifesavers to if there's a potentially dangerous shark about. Um, we They presented on their smart drum lines, which are a bit controversial, but they are intended not to be lethal. Um, so instead of the lethal drum lines they have in Queensland, which kill sharks, in New South Wales they're using smart drum lines where a contractor will get notified if a shark is caught on the drum line and then the contractor has to go out within 30 minutes to um, release the shark and tow it out to sea. Um, so we heard about that technology and we heard about better education programs to warn swimmers about where is more risky, what times of the day are more risky, which um, parts of the beach might be more risky, you know, like um, river mouths, for instance, or murky water. So learning about education strategies so people can um, be more informed and better protect themselves. And we also heard about the shark shield, which is um, great technology, all about personal responsibility. If we're someone who goes out surfing a lot or diving a lot and we feel like we're putting ourselves at risk a lot, we can buy these devices called shark shields which have been tested by scientists and have been proven to repel great white sharks um, using electromagnetic um, fields. And so there's a, a great presentation on that. Um, so yeah, really, really interesting stuff. But what was very clear is that we do not need to be killing sharks to try and protect them as surfers. So there were a lot of experts, not only from here in Australia, but also experts in attendance from South Africa, Hawaii as well. What were some of the messages from over the uh, from the overseas participants in the conference? Well, in um, in South Africa, while the conference was on, we heard that um, they're using the smart drumline technology and they're get, seeking to get rid of their shark nets, um, which was great to hear. In New South Wales, we're trialling the smart drumlines, but we've still got the nets in place as well. 
Um, so he made to say internationals change the government for goodness sake you know we don't really need um smart drum lines we definitely don't need shark nets and we don't you know, we certainly don't need both um so uh that was interesting from south africa um and also a lot of the experts in the room were from australia but what's important to know is that they're global experts too so they're really well respected internationally and that's the thing with shark champions we're um trying to encourage pride in Australia as a you know as a shark nation with fantastic experts and fantastic shark biodiversity that we should be proud of and doing um, much better to protect and conserve. So let's say I sign up to be a shark champion how does it actually work in real terms? So the URL is sharkchampions.org.au and if you hop onto that website you can join us in actions and we take um, a different action at a time, depending on um, what decisions governments are making. Um, so at the moment, there's an action against the culling of sharks on the Great Barrier Reef. And we've had um, tens of thousands of people writing to the Queensland government saying, it's time to stop this. Um, but as we know, to get governments to take action, you need tens and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands more people writing. So mm. we, you know, we would encourage um, as many people to hop on and join us as shark champions because to make the change, we need the numbers. What else can we do to be involved as well as being a shark champion, for example? I guess conversations, you know, at barbecues um, with your family and local communities about sharks and why they're important, why the ocean needs sharks. Um, Otherwise, we're just going to end up with an ocean that's taken over by jellyfish. We need sharks to keep ecosystems abundant and and healthy and intact so having those sorts of conversations and letting people know that there is um uh, alternative technologies to culling sharks you know for those people that watched jaws when they were younger and are still terrified mm-hmm. um <laughs> and to let people know that there is no such thing as a rogue shark that is just fiction um but if they are concerned about the very, very small risk of shark bite, then there's strategies that they could take to protect themselves, such as the shark shield. And um, you know, we don't need to be pressuring our governments into um, killing sharks. You're listening to Earth Matters and broadcast on the Community Radio Network with me, Kerry Lee Harding. And today you've been listening to our guest, Nicola Bayan, Head of Campaigns with the Humane Society International. Coming up next in the program, I'll yarn with Leo Guida, the Senior Shark Campaigner with the Australian Marine Conservation Society. This is Earth Matters and today in this program we hear from two different experts as we explore their interest and different perspectives on the recent National Shark Summit which took place in Sydney on the 21st to the 22nd of February 2019. Coming up now for you, Leo Guida. My name is Dr Leonardo Guida and I'm the Senior Shark Campaigner for the Australian Marine Conservation Society. What does a Senior Shark Campaigner do? So I'm leading the Shark Champions Campaign um, and that is a multi-year campaign in partnership with Humane Society International and we are essentially going to make Australia a world leader again in shark conservation and in order to do that we're going to tackle everything from the threat of overfishing and developing sustainable fisheries, and also looking at shifting Australia's shark control policy from uh, a lethal means, or shark culling, into more non-lethal means like community education and, and signage, for example. 
Where are we currently at with shark culling in Australia? So shark culling at the moment in Australia, um, New South Wales and Queensland um, have formal programs uh, that run annually. Uh, New South Wales, it began in the 1930s from memory and in Queensland from the 1960s. Um, and WA has recently started a drumline um, shark cull as of last week. But drumline shark cull, what does that actually mean in real terms? So the drumlines, um, so the, the, there's three primary methods. Um, in New South Wales, you have nets, which essentially ensnare anything that, that comes through. Um, and funnily enough, those nets in New South Wales actually kill more rays than sharks. Oh, dear. Um, and they do ensnare a lot of a bycatch like turtles and seals and so forth. Um, and then in Queensland, you have drum lines. You have a mixture of drum lines and nets, but predominantly drum lines. And that's essentially a baited hook that hangs from a buoy in the water, designed to obviously capture sharks. And of those sharks, um, there are 19 target species which are effectively shot dead if they're caught. Um, and then in WA, uh, they're using smart drum lines, which again, baited hook, uh, but the difference being here is that it's linked up to satellite technology, so that when a shark does bite it, fishes can be alerted, they can come out and ideally release uh, the shark and tag it uh, as soon as possible. But um, it, just going back to our campaign, Shark Champions. Yeah, tell us more about the campaign. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Australian Marine Conservation Society, or I'll refer to as AMCS from here on in, I guess. Um, so I'm the, the shark campaigner for them, and our role in the campaign is to focus on the threat of um, overfishing. Uh, globally, sharks, about 31% of sharks and rays are threatened with um, extinction. And Australia's in a unique position because we have over 300 species, a quarter of which are, represent all the shark and ray species in the world. And of those 320-odd species that occur in Australia, half of which aren't found anywhere else which is absolutely incredible. So we really do have this responsibility to, to really conserve and protect such a unique biodiversity of, of sharks and rays. Um, and HSI, or Humane Society International, uh, as part of the campaign, their focus is on shark culling and, and shifting away from those means into non-lethal means. So when I was doing my PhD at Monash that I finished in 2016, I was studying the effects of commercial fishing on shark and ray populations. And I've been extremely fortunate to, to land a dream gig with AMCS, doing what I study and doing what I love. How lucky are you? And tell us about your PhD and the effects of commercial fishing on our shark populations. What did you find? Sure. So my project looked at um, basically how sharks and rays get stressed out when they're caught. And sharks are typically caught in Australian fisheries through three main methods. Um, one being long lines, which is essentially lines of up to thousands of hooks that can stretch for up to kilometres, um, gill nets, which are just essentially large fishing nets in the water, and trawling, which essentially scoops up everything from the seafloor. Um, so I looked at how sharks and rays get stressed out when they're caught um, and when they're brought up on deck, their chances of survival, how they're handled, and when they're thrown back, how likely they are to survive. I was also lucky enough to investigate um, pregnant rays, and I was actually looking after pregnant rays in a tank and giving them ultrasounds and, and watching their pregnancy until they gave birth. And that was in a... I was basically simulating, I suppose, fisheries capture to see how stress of capture actually even affects pregnancy. So in a nutshell, sharks and rays aren't built equally. Some do handle capture okay, um, but more often than not, a lot do suffer death if shortly thereafter capture. And it's because of... Um, 
overfishing that our shark and ray populations are under threat. And in Australia, although we're, we're quite fortunate relative to the rest of the world to have reasonably good management, at the same token, there is an incredible amount of room for improvement. Um, and our role is to make sure that, again, Australia is returned to a leader in the world for shark and ray conservation. And what can we do better in this area? Yeah, sure. So, um, for example, in Queensland fisheries along the Great Barrier Reef, there's the East Coast Inshore Fishery, which spans the entire East Coast, essentially. And a, a, a common method of fishing there are, are gill nets. Um, and some of these nets, quite I'm, I'm not exaggerating, can be anywhere between 600 and 1,200 metres long. Um, so if you can imagine driving that distance in your car on the road, it's an incredibly long distance. And these nets are thrown in the water along the Great Barrier Reef, um, primarily designed to capture shark. But as you can imagine, you know, the, the bycatch is just phenomenal. Um, and I'm talking, you know, really iconic species like dugongs, uh, dolphins um, and turtles. And they're quite literally caught, you know, in the hundreds and thousands. Um, so it is quite a destructive means of fishing. So, again, it, it's another thing that we can, we can transition away from and, and develop more sustainable means. And Queensland does have in place a sustainable fishery strategy. And AMCS is in support of that. It's just making sure that, that we can push that strategy and make sure that all the goals were set out at the start can be achieved and ultimately have the Great Barrier Reef benefit from it because, as we know, it's under a considerable amount of threat. Let's talk about the Shark Conference, which happened mm-hmm. uh, recently at the end of February up in Sydney. Uh, did you get to speak at the uh, conference and what was your message? Yeah, I, I did get to speak. I was quite fortunate enough to, to have a little slot. Um, so... Before I get to what I spoke about, the conference in general was a meeting of, of Australia's preeminent shark and ray scientists, um, policy makers, decision makers, and other representatives from the NGO uh, sector. So it was quite a broad representative of the Australian community who are concerned with, with shark conservation. Um, the, the session I spoke about um, was in, in conjunction with uh, Ms. Tuni Mato, who's, who's my manager at, at AMCS, and we spoke about how better... NGOs, so non-government organisations such as AMCS and conservationists alike, can work better with the academic sector and scientists. Um, we, we see ourselves as a conduit between the scientists and the decision makers and the broader public. So we've, we have a responsibility of making sure that the science is, I suppose, translated into something digestible and easy to understand by the public um, and help drive those uh, those findings towards better outcomes for sharks and rays, you know, with regards to lobbying and and so forth. How much of a threat is our current um, shark population? It it varies. Um, it varies depending on species. Species. Yeah. It varies depending on where in Australia, whether or not there's fishing occurring in those waters, and, and to what extent. But to give you a, a a broad sort of overview, there was a study at the end of last year uh, that revealed. Um, some large species, large shark species, had declined in Queensland waters by up to 92%. Um, in particular, the scalloped hammerhead, its declines in Queensland waters are estimated anywhere between about 64 and 84%. You've also got the school shark, which occurs in the southern temperate waters of Australia, and that's commonly fished out of South Australia and Victoria. And their populations, believe it or not, are estimated to only to be less than 20% of their original mass. And currently they're their uh, their class is overfished, um, so it it does vary. And the challenge is with with sharks and rays is that estimating their populations is quite difficult. 
Um, it's not like you can kind of go out into a forest, work out a patch and count the amount of birds you see or or the amount of koalas you find in the tree. With the marine environment, it's logistically quite difficult and obviously counting fish is considerably harder. And let's talk about that. You must go to some magical places all around Australia to do your research and your work. Where does it take you? Yeah, I've, I've been fortunate enough um, to, see, to see quite a few places. Um, I'm originally from Melbourne and Port Phillip Bay and Western Port Bay was where I did the bulk of my research. Um, and I know everyone loves to go to tropical beaches and I, to be honest, I don't blame them. But there is quite a magical world here in our own bay um, and even in Western Port Bay. And I was lucky enough that when I was doing my research, my fondest experience were actually diving um, in Swan Bay, which is near Queenscliff, near the boat ramp there. And there's just an amazing array of life within the Swan Bay Marine Park. And, and I was swimming there to catch uh, fiddler rays by hand. Um, now, and what do you see when you immerse yourself into the water in that environment? must be beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's an underwater forest, quite literally. I mean, you see fronds of seagrass that, that, that sway with the tide and, and, and the water currents. And then you see these beautiful fiddler rays with this gorgeous pattern on their back that they kind of sit in amongst the seagrass. And unless you've got a trained eye, you can often miss them because their camouflage is amazing. Um, you also, if you're lucky enough, sometimes do see the odd gummy shark swim through. Um, it's a little bit rarer, but it, it's quite amazing. I've seen I've seen eagle rays in Swan Bay perched on their wings, you know, chowing down on what I can only assume would be a crab or a, or a squid. Um, and you see, you, you just it's incredible. Like I, I'm, I'm struggling to describe it now because the words sometimes just don't exist. But um, yeah, there, there definitely are some magical places here in Australia. Some places you probably wouldn't think of, like Port Phillip Bay and Western Port. Um, but I've also had the, the pleasure of, of going overseas uh, to do research, or at least present at a conference. And I was lucky enough in South Africa to go diving in Durban. Um, Tell us about that. Yeah, so that was... Do you have no fear? <laughs> I, I, I have a healthy sense of fear, I think. Um, yeah. it's, it's one thing like people say... Oh, Just part of the job. <laughs> yeah, pe- people... Um, I'm not the kind of person that says you shouldn't be afraid of sharks. Um, I think that's a bit of a dangerous message. It's okay to be afraid. It's instinct. It's what keeps you alive. Um, the difference is, is understanding that fear and not acting irrationally or making ha- uh, rash judgments on that fear. So, like not doing a Mick Fanning or like he did to the shark. Oh, to um, be honest, I, I can't judge him. I mean, let's I would not, not judge him yeah, on that I one. I would hey? not like to be in that position myself. Um, <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. But, but yes, I, I do have a healthy sense of fear. And if anything, I prefer to use the word respect um, rather than fear. And, you know, I was with a, a big group of people, all trained experts who knew what they were doing. And we went diving in, in Durban um, without a cage and there was quite a few of us. And, you know, there were three metre black tip sharks swimming around us. Um, uh, three cu- metre. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, it's, that's it's incredible. Um, a wow. couple of ragged tooth sharks, which we call here in Great... Sorry, ragged tooth sharks, which we call grey nurse sharks here in Australia. Um, and I was lucky enough, uh, so much so that the tour guide didn't believe me, um, <laughs> right. that by sheer accident we had a whale shark swim over the top of us. Wow. Um, yeah, and then in, in made a trip down south, uh, further south to Cape Town and, and cage dive with the white shark, and that is something I will never, ever forget. Tell us about that cage diving with a great white shark. I'm sure many people would not be able to say that they've done that in their lifetime. Yeah, it's. I've never seen some. Uh, I've never seen a, a creature so magnificent and so powerful and 
so big, frankly, just move with such grace and, and, and so gently. And how big are we talking again? Uh, oh, this female mm. would have been, I think, maybe four and a half metres or thereabouts, five wow. metres. And you think watching all the shows, like whenever a great white sees a bait, you know, it's all teeth. But It's all fair head, teeth, yeah, I jaws. Kid, I kid you yeah. not. <laughs> In the 45 minutes that we were there, she may have bared her teeth once. Yeah, wow. Other than that, every time she approached the bait, it was a gentle nudge or it was, it was almost like um, it was just really gentle the way she approached the bait and even tried to sort of just test bite it. Um, and it's something you don't really appreciate until you're there. And it's oh, – I, I, I struggle to put words to it, but um, which goes to the whole thing with, with shark interactions and shark bites. Um they're, they're tragic and they're traumatic experiences first and foremost. And, and let's talk about that because we do hear a lot about shark attacks through the media, especially in recent years. Yeah, so, it, to me, as an observer through the mm-hmm. media, seems to be like we're having more shark attacks than what we've previously had. Yeah, so the thing is with, with shark bites um, is that shark bites are on the increase, but the reason for that is quite simply because there are more people entering the water. Right. It's the only thing that really matches up. Yeah. And Australia's in a unique position where about 90% of our population is on the coast. So we're not a country where, as our population increases, you know, more and more people say move to the centre. It's all concentrated on the coast pretty much. So that matches up reasonably well. Um, but there's no evidence to suggest that shark bites relate to shark populations. There's no evidence at all. Um, and... Shark fatalities, on average, you're looking at perhaps, I think, somewhere, maybe even technically less than one, but between one and two every year or so, on average. Globally, maybe Is four that or all? five. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's a very, very small chance that, unfortunately, a fatal shark bite might occur. Um, and I know sometimes those, those stats don't necessarily make someone feel better. Um, but... There, there, are, there are means we can we can do to protect both bathers and sharks, and they include things like uh, what New South Wales is doing, um, putting most. So although they have a culling program, they're also, in some respects, transitioning or experimenting with means of, of community education, um, using drones to alert people. Uh, that there are sharks at the beach and closing beaches down appropriately. And how do those drones work? Do they uh, send a message out from a speaker to say that there's a, dr- a shark in the area? Um, from, from what I understand, mm. um, the drones feed back video footage to okay. lifeguards. Yes. And lifeguards can either say, you know, make an announcement, beach is closed, everyone please enter, exit the water. Yeah. They also do have link-ups, I think, um, with a shark smart app, so like a Twitter account of sorts. Thanks for tuning in to Earth Matters today and to hear this program or if you'd like to listen to or share this or previous editions of our show, you can find all our podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR in Fitzroy, Victoria, on the lands of the Wurundjeri and is broadcast nationally on community radio stations around the country with many thanks to the Community Radio Network. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Federation for their generous financial support. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook page, Earth Matters 3CR Radio. You can also follow us on Twitter at EarthM Radio. Well, that's all for today. I do hope you've enjoyed listening to the program. Thanks for your company this week, and the Earth Matters team will be back again next week with more deadly green social justice environment news from all over this awesome planet. I'm Kerry Lee Harding. I'll see you next time.